podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, welcome to another video from Fantasy Football Scout. As I mentioned yesterday on the wildcard video, it's international break, it's time to get a bit creative with these uh, videos. Uh, I thought we would do a three-part series, have a look at the battle for the top four, the title race and the relegation spots to see who... Uh, we think is going to uh, fill those spots. So for the first of these videos, we're going to look at the top four. It's Gianni Petici. How are you, Gianni? Hello, mate. I'm very well. Does this mean I got first pick? Yeah, mate, of course. My first choice. I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. I'm very excited to talk top four. Like We're obviously touching on a lot of teams that are highly supported as well. So I think there's going to be a lot of people in the chat who's, you know, we're going to be referring to their teams that have a big interest and very keen to see the thoughts of those in the chat as we uh, as we go through the, the, the contenders. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, get your comments in. If you're watching live on YouTube, we always want to know who you think is going to uh, sort of make their way into the into the spots. Obviously, drop your comments on the YouTube um, as well, as well as liking the stream and subscribing. There you go, got that in, got that in early uh, as well. Uh, and do so for the other videos um, too, because a lot of this is going to be Janny and I giving our opinion on what we've seen and what and kind of what's going to happen. So um, I think this one, we've actually... We've got. We're going to do our predictions kind of at the end. We've actually gone different for that for that fourth spot, but I think this one's. I don't know. The title race is really really close. The relegation zone is is really close. I mean, I, I guess there's two teams really that that are quite close in this. And yeah. like I said, we've we've gone different. Um, I don't know. I, I I sense that one team could could end up getting it quite comfortably if, if one team drops off but who that's going to be we, we don't know um, at this stage um, but let's go through some some data kind of before we talk about it anyway uh, so let's talk about some attacking data so this is data from fantasy football scout this is data since january uh, the first so all i've done is uh, grab the goal threat table um, from scout the team stats and just filtered by minutes per chance so right at the top no surprise is liverpool they have a chance every 5.1 minutes uh, second is Man City, <laughs> every 5.4 minutes. No surprises there. But look at that, Janney. Third since January, Arsenal, every six minutes. Uh, they're ahead of Man United, who are the next team that we're going to be looking at, um, 6.2, and Tottenham, uh, 6.8. You might notice no Chelsea in the top 10. Yeah, 13. 13th. 13th on the list. Um, just so you know, the teams we're going to be talking about. So we, we did debate this, didn't we? Who we think is really in this battle for the top four. For us, we agreed it's Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Manchester United. I know that Wolves and West Ham have a, an outside chance of making it. But I think with the results that just happened, um, you know, with, with West Ham losing to Spurs and with Wolves losing... Um, as well to Leeds I think that's probably them done I think we both agree that's them out of this so you might disagree in the chat you might think uh, they, they've both got a chance I think their their race is run now so I think it's between these uh, these four teams these are the teams we're going to be talking about um, so let's start with Chelsea then Chelsea in 13th is that a concern for you as a, as a Chelsea fan what, what is, what's going on there do you reckon why, why are they so low I mean they're below the likes of you know Newcastle Brighton Southampton, top team, top is this, attacking players. Is this, an, is this an average as? It's not the amount of games because obviously they've played fewer games than everyone else. Yeah, so this is out of the games stuff. Chelsea have played since January. They're averaging, averaging a chance every uh, every 8.2 minutes. Yeah, yeah, it's lower. I mean, they have been keeping clean sheets. It has been quite tight in games. Like they've not been blowing any teams away. Like 
we have seen Arsenal go and score four goals in a game, which we weren't seeing earlier in the season. So I'm not surprised to see Arsenal third. But yeah, Chelsea low, it, it doesn't concern me because I've just been watching the games going, OK, they still look fairly comfortable because they're not conceding either. Um, but look, there's been a lot of formation changes. We've seen Tuchel go with the back four. We've seen a lot of personnel changes with who are the two inside forwards. Um, is it Pulisic with Mount? Is Havertz playing nine? He is now, but he wasn't before. Um, and look, a huge amount of injuries. I'm not too worried. The results have still been good. Yep. Do you think it does it put you off the attacking options at all? I mean, the, the fixture run is is unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, the fixture run the... is great. The fixture run's great. Yeah. And also Havertz is brilliant. Like, I look at those numbers and think if Havertz is playing nine, that doesn't put me off at all. Like Havertz is a mid-priced midfielder um, and I'm fortunate enough to have had him for a while. And I don't think, I think it's slim pickings outside of Havertz if you're not looking at wing-backs. Um, but Havertz still very attractive option. Yep. And what about Arsenal? So Arsenal at the other end, uh, third on the table, so young, good. vibrant attack, looking really, really good, isn't it? I mean, for them to be third on the list, you know, yep. since, since January, compared to where they were sort of at the start of the season, things are just really clicking nicely for them. They've lost to Bamiyang. Bamiyang's gone on to Barcelona and he's smashing it there, scoring two goals in, in El Clasico. Yep. Seems like it was a great move kind of all round, um, really. But I mean, that's got to be encouraging, right? For, for bringing in players from, from Arsenal, you've got to think the attackers are, are the way to go. Definitely. Like uh, Arteta wanted a, a number nine that can link others the number nine a bit like Bobby Firmino isn't in the team to score goals and Lacazette does that job so well and it does mean we get huge amount of shots from Odegaard, Saka and Martinelli mm. Smithrow when he plays um Aubameyang didn't fit that system and look at Barcelona Aubameyang's playing central and thriving but he didn't fit the Arsenal system where Arteta wanted him on the touchline so it works for all parties and Arsenal are getting shot a plenty I still think the standout pick by country mile is Saka um, and then it's a bit of it's a bit of a lucky dip for who the second you go, asset you go for is it Martinelli Odegaard or even Lacazette? Yep. Um, just quickly on on Chelsea, uh, you mentioned about them sort of playing fewer games. They played eight games over this period, which is the lowest in the league due to all their kind of European uh, commitments. One thing I did find interesting though was their conversion. Oh, yeah. So their convert their goal conversion is actually highest in the league over those eight games. Clinical. Fifteen fifteen point two percent. So it is it is clinical. Um, but the shots is is low, so that that's the thing. They they aren't the, this attacking data based on these chances implies they aren't having too many shots. When they are getting opportunities, they are taking them, um, yeah. which is interesting with with Lukaku kind of being out the team and, and and players around. I mean, a lot of their players I wouldn't necessarily define as as clinical. You know, the likes of well, Werner, Pulisic, Ziyech. These are class yeah. players, but we we thought Lukaku was brought into the team to bring that really clinical edge and, and obviously hasn't been. So even without him there, they're still finding a way to, to score goals. But even Mason Mount, he's not clinical. Yeah, like, even Mason exactly. Mount like misses a lot of big chances. What I would say is from all those players we mentioned, Havertz is very clinical. Havertz has got ice mm. in his veins and he, he he finishes like a German number nine should. Not like Timo Werner, but like Kai Havertz. <laughs> um, so I guess he bucks that trend because all the others you mentioned the great examples as Pulisic, Mount, even Ziyech, Lukaku, these guys often miss a lot of chances. Yeah, I think the question is, are we going to see big, big returns from, from Chelsea strikers like Mount and, and Havertz? I think we've got the, the two sides of the coin. One side is, well, the attacking stats aren't that great. The conversion's high. They're going to have to keep that up going forward. But then the other flip is, well, the fixtures are so good. They've got the chance to, to really kick on. Yeah. Um, look at the other teams. I mean, United uh, are down there. They're one, two, three. They're fifth on the list, which is, yeah. is maybe quite surprising given how 
sort of you know hit and miss they've been kind of this season but the chances are still there again it's that kind of maybe it's that lack of, of clinical edge that, that they haven't really got there they're sort of mid-table um for that um under these things what, what do you think about some of their attacking assets it's interesting because we haven't seen united play since they beat spurs and i don't think and uh, they didn't play in the fa cup they've not had a premier league game so I think I'm right in saying that. So since that Ronaldo hat-trick, we've not seen United. And now they're out of Europe, I'm really keen to see the fact that they'll have more rest between games if we're going to get a Ronaldo firing. I mean, the hat-trick was quite brilliant and it was from low XG as well. Um, and again, I just don't know that United lineup. Like if we're looking ahead to say that game week 33 where United double, for those on a free hit or even for those that aren't, can we guarantee Bruno is going to start both games? Absolutely not. Um, Ronaldo, I think we probably can. But you look at some of those other United attacking assets. Rashford really played twice. No, Alanga won't or might not. Sancho and Ronaldo are perhaps the two favourites. Pogba again, can we guarantee it with him? No, we can't. Um, so it's slim pickings for just consistency and guaranteed starts at United. But it will be Ronaldo or or no one probably for, for most on that, that, that double in terms of attackers. Yeah, we, we, we'll talk about some of the Man United assets in a bit more detail, but it's it's really hard to find a place for them in your team. I mean, you're talking like Ronaldo over Kane. That's a big that's a big gamble to make. You're talking Sancho yeah. over what I think is a really strong kind of template mid. If you if you see the wildcard video I did yesterday, where I talk about these kind of five midfielder spots we've got, you know, the likes of Barnes, Havertz or Mount, um, Salah, Kulusevski or Son. Um, you know, it's, it's so on Saka. It's so hard to break up that five to find a place for Sancho or Fernandez, who, who just punts, right? They just yeah. feel like just complete, complete punts. Um, it's really tough. Uh, Spurs, interestingly, the, the lowest um, on this list. I mean, I've been impressed with with Spurs going forward. You know, because FC's come in. Um, I was at the the Spurs game um, at the weekend, and he he wasn't his best, but the way he, he's he's very good on the ball. Rarely gives the ball away wasn't doing too much from an attacking sense, but then you look at Kane and Son and their link-up and how effective they are. And I'm surprised to see them below United, for example, in terms of this minutes per chance. I mean, there's not much in it. It's, it's, don't get me wrong. It's, it's really not a huge amount. Um, but, you know, I think we're, we're expecting to see some some big returns from these Arsenal players. A lot of us have got two attackers. I think most of us have got two attackers now, either Son and Kulu or, or Kane and Kulu or Son, you know, whatever, whatever way around you want to do it. Um, are you happy with your two Spurs assets going forward? Yeah, I, I, I am. Like I, they they've been so good, and I I am surprised that that what they sixth. I would have guessed they would have been third. I think just, mm. um, but they'll continue to get chances for fun. I'm sure they will, and they'll be continue to be clinical because Kane and Son again, both two elite finishers. Um, we, we, we've known for a long time Son just overperforms his XG. I don't know where he's at this season, but in years gone by, he's very good in front of goal. And Kulovsevsky, I mean, like, we can't forget this is a this is a kid. This is a kid that's new to the country and new to the league. He has hit the ground running and then some. So the fact that he had a, a slightly better than average game at the weekend but wasn't a superstar, I think still, like, very positive. He was neat and tidy. He wasn't hooked till the 91st minute. Um, and I think that front three is clicked and I have very, very high hopes for Spurs for the run-in to the point where I can't see him dropping many points and I will see my predictions later. I, know. I think they could, I really think with Conte, with no European football, now he's got a settled 11 and very few injuries, I think he could go on an unbelievable run. Yeah, and you did give them an unbelievable run, I have to say. Um, one player, we're going to come into defence now, one player that I was really impressed with uh, the weekend for Spurs was Romero. 
I thought he's a beast. He's a he, beast. he was just he, he's um I was there with James from uh, Planet FPL and uh, I, I watched the first half and, and we were watching the second half, half of him and I just said to him I was like Romero is one hell of a player isn't he because he's he's so casual on the ball sometimes yeah. he just gets the ball he kind of wanders around but like you say he's a he's an animal like he loses it he gets it back he's he's so composed and uh, James described him he was like very good player has got a bit of the David Luiz about him and I think a couple of times in the second half I saw that that side to him where he was just maybe a little bit too casual tried to turn on the ball and, and maybe got found out I think he ended up winning it back but there was a few moments like that but I mean he is a, a class defender and you know being next to Dyer, who's kind of solid but unspectacular and, and Davis who's almost certainly going to be replaced yeah. um, in the summer he, he's the kind of gem I think of of that of that Spurs events there are 10 of Romero Every season that discovered in 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 Serie A, what I'd, which is why it gets me when people call it a farmers league. Like when you scored in Bergamo as as Romero was, I promise you there are ten of him. He is elite, and um, yeah, he's brilliant. And I think every year we see those gems pop out of Serie A, especially as centre backs. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs have done well to land him. Absolutely. Uh, Joshua Town, yellow card magnet. Yeah, absolutely. He is. <laughs> yeah. He is. And you can see why, because it, there's so many times when he, he's going to turn on the ball and lose it and, and end up having to make a foul to, to win <laughs> to win the ball back. I think that's that's just going to happen with him. But I think FPL wise, he, he's he's probably not the one I'd go for. But from an actual like footballing sense, I, I really enjoyed, really enjoyed watching him. Um, OK, well, let's look at defensive numbers. Uh, obviously, a bit harder to kind of filter by these. Uh, because different teams have played different matches. Um, in the end, I've, I've just gone for clean sheets where we kind of work it out kind of manually. Um, so at the top of this is, is Liverpool. They've had seven clean sheets in 10. Uh, City with five clean sheets in nine. Um, and then you've got kind of the other players. So Arsenal, four clean sheets in nine. Chelsea, four clean sheets in eight. So this is this is a bit more like it. I mean, they've had they had those you know games where we kind of expected them to clean sheets against Burnley and Norwich um, yeah. as well. Um, look at Spurs though, just four clean sheets in 12. Yeah. Um, and then look at United, three clean sheets in 11. That's woeful. It's terrible, isn't it? And and that surely is going to be, well, that's A, going to be the Achilles heel of, of United and, and why I don't think they're even really a factor in the top four race um, anymore. I think they're going to they're gonna finish quite a way behind um, the other clubs. But do you think that's a, that's a problem for Spurs um, as well? Because the attacking numbers are decent. But when you compare, I mean, look at Arsenal, four clean sheets in nine. That is a that is really really impressive and and for just four in twelve for for Spurs, um, and you see you saw it. I, I saw I know Conte is is a great manager and Romero is a great defender, but there was a they came out for the second half and the the tactics changed and and Conte just said right we're gonna soak up the pressure for a bit um, and not you know maybe look to counter attack and, and just see what happens. And, but West Ham had some really really good chances, yeah, and they scored from a set play again. And you could see the set play Spurs were worried. They yeah. they didn't know they didn't know what they were doing against West Ham from those set pieces where they're so strong. So my concern is is the defense does cost them a bit. I I, I think it will have to be the case of we will outscore you for Conte and Spurs this this yeah. this run in. So I can't I. I can't see many clean sheets. I know many of us have bought in a Spurs defender. No one bought in Doherty for for the defensive clean sheets. We all bought in Doherty because we thought the upside was there for attacking returns, and hopefully we're right with that. But I look at it and think Arsenal, Chelsea. 
they're the two from the top four contenders that we, if we're talking about these four teams and two will make it, Arsenal and Chelsea, we can guarantee are going to get plenty clean sheets between now and the end of the season. Spurs and United, for both of those two, it's going to be a case of we have to outscore you. Yeah, they'll get a couple, but not many. The, I think United are definitely the weakest of the back lines. Like, I look at that defence and, and think, I don't go into a United game ever thinking they'll keep a clean sheet. Even that Norwich fixture in game week 33, if you're on a free hit and you go to Haya, do you expect a clean sheet? I'm not sure you can ever expect a clean sheet with United now. And I know I made a flippant remark about there's 10 Romeros in Serie A. I don't mean new undiscovered centre-backs, FPLD. You've said name 10 this year, Janny. Fair point. I don't mean 10 newbies you've never heard of, like no one had of Romero a year ago. I mean of that level centre-back. There are 10 elite centre-backs every year. And I look at those that should be elite in the Premier League. Well, Harry Maguire cost 8 million and Lindelof cost a load and Varane has got pedigree, but I'm not sure he's as good as people perhaps make out because he was in a very good Real Madrid team. I look at that United back line and just think they're all average at best. So I don't expect clean sheets at all. And I don't think there's one elite player between that back line at the moment. No. And if you look at the shots conceded on target, uh, you know, United are right down there with, with Leeds, Brentford, Norwich, Everton. Wow. Uh, 55 shots uh, conceded on target, you know, since January. Um, Everton 55 have have played a game a game less. Uh, Norwich 63, Brentford 71, Leeds 82. So, you know, <laughs> it just shows that you, you don't expect a top team, a top four team, to be conceding as many chances as bottom dwelling sides. <laughs> like they, they sure, like they just they just can't they just won't make it with, with the with those defensive numbers. They're, they're not they're not scoring enough goals to make up for it, like I think Spurs are, which is exactly what you've just said, like nail on the head, and they can't defend. So, yeah. sorry, United fans, it's just not going to happen for me. No, it's not. You can invest all the resources in those attacking players as they have done, but if you neglect your your, your back line, you're not going to go on good cut runs. And in this league, you're not going to make top four, unfortunately, with that. Yep, absolutely. Um, let's take a look at the teams, sort of player by player. Uh, so we start with Arsenal. I guess my first question to you is... Um, Based on those defensive numbers, is a is an Arsenal defender still sort of a, a high priority? I mean, lots of people switching Ramsdale out for the likes of Pope, Schmeichel. You've got Tierney not really doing the attacking bit. You've got Gabriel there. Um, is maybe like a Ben White, a 4.5 Ben White kind of worth it? Oh, yes, he is. No, I didn't <laughs> go there. And we had on my weekly team reveal last Wednesday, I said to you as... The one transfer I might make this week is I'll be selling Luca Dean and I might just go really boring and we joked about it. A boring transfer of just Ben White, 4.5. Arsenal keep clean sheets, there you go. But I tried to get clever with it and I thought, whoever this fifth defender is for me, Ben White or Daniel Amati, I need them to play this week and then they're just going to be bench fodder for the rest of the season for me. So I thought I'll save the point six and I'll go Amati. Now Amati, 85 minutes in, was on for a bonus point and seven points clean sheet. And then didn't get it. So that was really frustrating. But with hindsight, looking back, it was foolish. I didn't need that 0.6.7. It's not like I had transfer plans that I was restricted elsewhere. You look at Arsenal and you look at Leicester and go, one team's going to keep bags of clean sheets. The other one rarely is. So Mm. for double Arsenal defence, I don't hate it. I am very surprised people are considering selling Ramsdale. That for me is something I just wouldn't be considering. Yeah, Pope and Schmeichel have got the games, but Ramsdale is just an absolute points magnet. Um, But if you're looking at double Arsenal defence, I mean, these numbers back it up, like you can do a lot wrong. They are cheap Arsenal defenders. And for me, I don't think Gabriel or Tierney at the moment are worth that extra. You just go white. 
Yeah, I'm massively swayed towards White at the moment. I think if, if you don't go for Ramsdale, you, you get White as that kind of cover, as we all yeah. love that word, um, you know, because the, the clean sheets are, are likely going to be there. Uh, I like um, what we brought into the members area. So if you haven't been to the members area in a while, um, they've been working on the scenes to bring in these these points. So you can now filter by points um, over a certain range and a certain game week, which is obviously pretty essential for, for FPL stuff. Uh, we can also, you can also fill by minutes per FPL point um, as well, which is what I've done on this table. So top of this list is Saka. He is statistically the best Arsenal player in terms of underlying numbers. Uh, he's got the best uh, non-penalty expected goal involvement. Um, Lacazette's highest with the penalties, obviously, but then it's Saka um, anyway. Uh, but minutes per point, Saka gets the most. So he's got the best underlying numbers. He's got the best minutes per FPL point. You're not going to tell me he's not the best FPL option, are you? He, he, it's quite clear. It's so clear. And I've he's been in my team for a very long time because of it. Um, at one point, like we were looking at it and you were the the, the person that benefited the most from this as when, when Martinelli was like, okay, this is the hot property in the Arsenal team. And look, he still is, but Saka trumps him. Yeah, I mean, if you look if you look at Marcelli since January, I mean, averaging 25, um, average, averaging a point every 25.5 minutes, that's actually underneath like Partey, Tierney, yeah. Ben White. Uh, I think Martinelli is is a kind of a, a great on his day explosive option, but hasn't got that consistency that we're seeing from from Saka right at the top of this. Um, Lacazette though, twenty point one, third on the list. Someone that I keep slating and everyone keeps telling me not to you know keep having such a go at. Um, with the penalties though, he's he's an option. Yeah, he's an option because of the three-yard assists, which he keeps getting. <laughs> and with the penalties that he's been fortunate to get a couple, but open play goals and even expected open play goals, I'm guessing for him is very, very low. But he's very good at assists and they, that gets you FPL points. It's a bit like Raul Jimenez in years gone by where that, that mid-price forward that does quite well, but you don't always want to jump on because you just see a fairly low ceiling. I always think with Lacazette, I'm going to get maybe six, seven points, and that would be a big win. What I want if I'm spending that sort of money is I want to get I want to get double digits, and I don't see them really with Lacazette like I haven't ever really with Jimenez. Um, so for me, I've not had Lacazette all season. I'm not even close, I don't think. No, no. It's, it's uh, just not one for me. I know, I've got him. I'm finding it a bit hard to sell him. I, I don't really want him, but... I kind of look at these stats and I think, I mean, it's not too bad. I mean, you, you compare his stats to Saka, for example. I mean, Saka's got the best, um, you know, in terms of touches in the penalty area, Saka's top uh, 72 compared to Lacazette's 50. They've played kind of around similar minutes. Uh, chances created, it's 17 to 15. Uh, shots inside the box, 18 to 21. So the, the stats aren't actually massively different between Saka and, and Lacazette, yeah. but the quality is because Saka is getting these kind of returns and then Lacazette isn't. Um, look at that right down the bottom though. Third from bottom of this list is, is Odegaard. Yeah. Um, 26.2 minutes per FPL point. You know, that's below all the other kind of attacking options. 21 chances created over around the same time frame um, is the highest out of Saka, Lacazette and, and himself. Um, but the other things aren't there. Shots inside the box, just seven. You know, that's more than half of the others. Um, touching the penalty area 15, you know, 15 touching the penalty area for Odegaard. I think that just shows that that's just not where he receives the ball. It's yeah. 72 for Saka with the, with the same minutes. There's no, there's no contest for me. He's got a, it's, he, he's not a fa- he's not an option for me, Odegaard. No, the chances created is a really impressive number, that 21. You've got to think his expected assists is probably really high and he's perhaps been a bit unlucky that those haven't necessarily been tucking away those chances. But 
when I'm buying an attacking midfield, any midfielder, I want them to be attacking. I want to see that they're very close to the goal. And the, 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 the stats I look for are things like touches in the box, for example, and shots. And you look at Saka and it's like, yeah, that's what you want. And you want five Sackers in your midfield. And Odegaard is just, just too far from goal. Yep. Agreed. Hi, everyone. Just taking a break here to mention this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. That's a better H-E-L-P. We all know that everything that's going on in the world is putting a strain on all of us and reaching out to speak to someone is a good idea uh, if you are struggling. BetterHelp is an app that can help improve your mental health and you can match with your own licensed professional therapist within 48 hours. It provides a secure online platform for professional therapy who have a broad range of experience and this might not always be available locally to you. Uh, it lets you do this from your own home through video or phone sessions at times that suit you. You can even log into the app and send a message to your therapist 24-7 who will reply with a timely and thoughtful response. Note that it's also more affordable uh, than traditional offline therapy and there is financial aid available to you too. Uh, if you don't get on with your therapist, you can change therapists for free. Note this is a US app, but there are clients worldwide, over 2 million of them, uh, but do bear in mind of the time differences if you do decide to sign up. Uh, you can visit the website, which is betterhelp, betterhelp.com. Uh, you can check out the reviews, betterhelp.com forward slash reviews. Uh, there's people who said that they love it because they hate going uh, places and they don't feel comfortable um, doing so, but they, they've they you know felt really good doing it through BetterHelp. Uh, other people have said that they're quick to respond to their messages, kind and understanding, and they feel comfortable opening up um, over the app without a fear of being judged. So if you like the sound of that, you can get 10% off your first month. Just go to betterhelp, betterhelp.com forward slash scouts. That gets you 10% off your first month and you can join all the people uh, that are using the app. Uh, let's move over to Chelsea then. Again, these stats are since uh, January the 1st, minutes for FBL point. You've got Ziyech right at the top. I'm not surprised there. Now back from injury. Uh, Havertz is just below him, 11.8. I love Ziyech. I think he's, he's, he's absolutely quality. Is there any case you could make for him to be considered in our teams? There genuinely is if he can prove to be fit for more than two games in a row. Like Ziyech was our best. So the, our big preseason game was the, I can't remember what it's called. The, it's where the winner of the, mind blank, the winner of the Champions League plays the winner of the Europa League. And they played in Belfast, I think it was this year. And Ziyech was man of the match, scored a brilliant goal, went off injured. And he had a really good preseason. Chelsea won that game and he was amazing. I just thought, second season at Chelsea, this is going to be mm. your year, Hatton Ziyech. And unfortunately, he was then out for a while and then he came back too soon and he was just in and out of the team because of injury. When he plays, as we saw again at the weekend, he has got that 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 position absolutely nailed on the right-hand side. The Mares role, if you like. Um, and when Ziyech plays... Tuchel will even change his system. Again, as we saw at the weekend, if Ziyech is in the team, Saar plays at left back and it's a back four. And it, with a back four, you can play four, two, three, one. Ziyech is then wide right in a three behind the number nine. If it's the traditional system Tuchel plays with wing backs, Ziyech has to play as one of the inside tens behind the nine, which is like Mount and Ziyech, for example. He's a bit too central there. Where he thrived at Ajax was wide. Where he has so far thrived in a Chelsea shirt has been when he's played wide. So again, I like that system and I think Tuchel is moving towards it. 
um, especially with Chilwell out injured, to play Saar at left-back instead of Alonso. And then, then you've got a back four. And even if Reese James comes back, he might still stick with that four because Reese James will still get licence. And by playing the four, you get licence or you get, you get the go-ahead, you get the green light on ZX starting games. He literally only starts games when it's that back four at the moment. So look out for that. If Tuchel favours the four and he, we do very well off it, it will be time to start looking at Ziyech. Okay. Do you, do, you, well, do you think he plays enough minutes between now and the end of the season? We, like, could you could you go for him? No, because of injury. He will yeah. get injured. Like, he is just so sick, though. Um, maybe after a summer off, he didn't even play in AFCON. He's fell out with the Morocco manager. But maybe after a summer off, because knowing he doesn't play international football, or maybe this international break will do him good. He needs a, he needs some some downtime, and then we need to see a fit fit Ziyech, which I've no doubt we'll see eventually. And when we do, he's, he's under consideration. But for the time being, he's two in and out. Yeah. Um, I guess the, the big question, and a big question on the, on the wildcard particularly, um, is who to go for up Havertz and Mount. We talked about this uh, last week on your team selection. Yeah. Havertz is second on the list, minutes oh, per good. point every 11.8 minutes. Uh, Mount's like quite, kind of sort of mid-table mid for this, 17 minutes um, for him. The Havertz is interesting because obviously he wasn't really playing right at the start of January. It's only really been the last few game weeks that he's come in and, and he's scoring points in, in his last three and some big returns as well. Where do you sit on this? Are you still suggesting to me that I take the hit and get in Havertz or do I just get Mount for free? There you go. Let's make it all about me. Take the hit, Havertz, I would. Take the hit I, Havertz. Mm. Yeah, I'm so pro Havertz. Like, I actually think Mount is a, is a good option between now and the end of the season. I just I just think that Havertz is an excellent option. Like... Um, the fixtures are there for both of them. Mount will play all the games, sure. But you just look at the upside and go, Kai. Just to reiterate, the fixtures for Chelsea are crazy. And there's a very good question from Kieran West in the chat. Is, is there a case to make to go for both? Because the fixtures are, let me just find them. Uh, Brentford, Southampton, Arsenal, West Ham, Everton, Wolves, United, Watford. So you've got Brentford in there, you've got Everton there, you've got Watford in there. Got United who can't defend. You've got West Ham who are leaking goals. Southampton have lost, like, keep just keep losing in the league. Perfect time to invest in them. Do you think the, the, the double could be something a bit different? I definitely think double Chelsea, but it would be... I don't know if I'm ready to go double Chelsea attack. Bearing in mind, you'll want one Chelsea defender. And I just wonder, with the Champions League by being prioritised, if we're talking about top four here, we are, we're both going for Chelsea finishing third. We can probably lock that in. And with that in mind, knowing they can't get second, it's unlikely they'll get fourth. I just wonder if we'll see a bit of rotation. And, the, and even if we don't see rotation, just dip in performances because we feel like we're already secure. And therefore, are they going to score many goals? And, and the shots and the chart we looked at earlier with the chances created, that was damning, you know, 13th Chelsea mm. were. And I don't think the stats are there for us to go we want double attack. And I think even when Havertz went and got that late winner the other day in the Premier League with the wonder goal, the Jorginho ball over the top, that was a one nil win. Like that was a, that was a game where we just didn't turn up because there's not a huge amount to play for. And therefore I don't know if I'd want to put too many eggs in that attacking basket. Yep. I agreed. And again, with, with the template, Saka, Barnes, Salah, Havertz, Kulusevski, you know, you, 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 you it's probably it. Barnes or Kulusevski you take out to hit that double Chelsea and, you know, I think his rotation as well with, with the Champions League. It's I think you pick one personally and, and stick with it. Um, what about in defence then? I guess the other the other question, as, as big a question as Mount versus Havertz is, is, is James versus Rudiger. Assuming James is coming back after international break or, or maybe soon after, 
do you still risk him even though he's he's come back and he, he's got that he's got injury straight away or, or do you just play it safe I think so if we if we assume that Rudy is going to play 100% of Premier League games even that's ambitious if we get 70% out of Reese James, 70% of games, and we get 100% of games out of Rudiger, I still back Reese James to get more points, more FPL points. And bearing in mind the games he doesn't play, you get a sub in that could go and get six points. So look, only if we think Reese James is going to get 50% of Rudiger's minutes do we consider Rudiger. James is that good. When you look at his points per minute this season compared to Rudiger, absolutely blows him out of the water. Like Reese James has barely played any football and he's still got a huge amount of points. Um, haven't got the numbers in front of me as, but it's, it's, it, there's a big difference there. You go, you go Reese if we think he's going to be fit. Yep. Nice. I agree with that as well. You've got to go Reese. Live a little. So much more fun. Yeah. You've got to live a little. Really good. So boring. Um, okay. Spurs uh, next. So minutes for FPL points. Got Bergwijn right at the top. Hmm. Uh, you just, I think he's only played a couple of games, 225 minutes, but does seem to get returns when he comes in. Um, out of the more kind of regular guys uh, since January, you've got Kane now finally at the top. Uh, 12.7. Son entering back into it with his uh, brace against West Ham, 13.5. Uh, then you've got, you know, the other popular players. Kulusevski's next, 40.5. Amazing impact he's had. Um, and Matt Doherty, 13.8 um, as well. So kind of all, all the big names, no massive surprises uh, here. I guess we talked a little bit about it earlier. I mean, I've got three Spurs players at the moment. You're really confident, as we're going to see in a bit, about kind of their chances between now and the end of the season. Are you happy with Doherty, for example? Yeah, I like the fact that even at the weekend you were there as, when I saw Emerson Royale was coming on with five minutes to go, just nice to see Regalon taken off instead of Doherty and Doherty put left back, just to show us a little bit about pecking order. Like Doherty is first choice without a shadow of a doubt. And even when Emerson comes on, it's like, oh, we can move him to left back. So yeah, I'm happy with him. So suspect defensively. Doherty. Oh, he's rubbish. He is out. He's, he's, he's pants. And look, Conte will definitely want one, if not two, new wing backs in the summer and definitely a new centre back. That's where the Spurs team is weak. But for the time being, he's in. Yep, agreed. I mean, he, he was responsible for the corner given away to West Ham. And you just, you just, Conte would have been saying, don't give away unnecessary set pieces. Yeah. You know, West Ham are one of the best teams in the league for those. Uh, so I was quite surprised when, when Regulon went off. He was looking Actually, good, Regalon. He thought. was. He was yeah. looking a lot better than Doherty. He was very attacking. Yeah, he was. I, I thought Regalon had a good game. Yeah. Um, okay, and what about Son then? So Son isn't featuring really anyone's thoughts at the moment. I know quite a few people kept him, but there was a lot of movement for Kane, that people prioritising that move, probably to move into this kind of more template uh, midfield. Do you think Son? Son's kind of one of the premium players, I think, that could potentially have an impact between now on the end of the season, but it's, it's kind of hard to find space for him, isn't it? It's hard to find the money. Like, even if you can find that fifth midfielder spot, like if you can upgrade Kulusevski to Son, you could argue, okay, if you're on a wild card, make that happen. Make that happen that you go Son instead of Kulu. But then what if you want Kane and Salah and Trent in your team and Cancelo? Well, you just won't be able to afford it. Um, and look, Kulusevski, for the time being, is kind of covering Son's points. I know he didn't at the weekend, but to date, he's been useful enough and he's justified, well, in terms of value, he's been... Yep. better so I think you just go Kulu Doherty and Kane and and if you're on Son you probably stay with him but then you probably don't have Kane and you go Kulu as well I'd stick with what you've got yeah I mean Son minutes per FPL point 13.5 uh, Kulu 14.5 <laughs> there's just there's not there's just not much yeah. in it between them not enough for 4.5 uh, whatever it is not not in my opinion I, th I think Kulu is is still the, the superior option yeah. um, okay the final team then I think this will probably be a fairly quick section and again apologies to United fans uh, it is United uh, okay so Bruno Fernandes is top of this list 
a minutes per FPL point every 14.5. You know, nearly 12 million for Fernandez. Not wow. even sure about his, his spot in the team. To me, the only real option you could consider here um, is Ronaldo. Um, he's some way off, though. I mean, 19.2, that's one of the worst um, minutes per FPL point of all the players that we've kind of talked about. It's below Fred. <laughs> so poor. I know, 18.8. You know, Alanga's got a better minutes per field point than the Ronaldo, and Alanga's cost 4.9 million. Um, I, I wonder for those that are looking at free hit 33 if, if Alanga even does become an option. But again, like against Tottenham, that 11 against Spurs, we expected Alanga and Bruno to start, and both of them were benched. Yeah. So it's just, I know. it's really, and Pogba played a little bit more advanced and was arguably man of the match. Ronaldo got man of the match, of course he did, but Pogba was very good in that attacking sort of Bruno role. And you look at it and go, as we said earlier, Ronaldo is the only one we can guarantee starts. Yep. But the numbers just aren't really there. I mean, obviously the Spurs game was, was big, big hat trick for Ronaldo, such an important game. I'm just not sure we can, we can, we're going to, we've seen such inconsistency from him sort of over the season that I just don't think we can, you can justify 12.2 million on him. I mean, Sancho's been impressive. Yeah. He's finally started showing glimpses. He started yeah. six of the last seven, I think. Um, he missed the Watford game. He's got 28 minutes, which was a surprise and loads brought him in. I think that was the week a lot of people free here, but he has played 90 a lot, Sancho. He's definitely the first choice wide forward in the team. Yep. Agreed. I, I, I like him. I, I just, again, I wouldn't be breaking up that midfield template to go for Sancho. Um, he's maybe the one that you, you could take a bit of a punt on. I think game week 33 is going to be interesting. You know, if, if people are using the free hits, do you go Ronaldo over Kane, for example, with that Norwich game um, and with Spurs? I think Spurs are playing Brighton. In, yeah, in that at match. home as well. At home. It's really tricky, but maybe there's a spot for, for Sancho in that. Possibly. I think you you wouldn't be able to, afford, if you did keep Kane or, or even went Kane and Ronaldo, and let's say you might want to cover Salah, who's got a nice fixture, yeah, you would just wouldn't be able to afford Bruno. You definitely would go Sancho. I'd go San even if they were the same price. I'd arguably go Sancho over Bruno at the moment. Yeah, I think. So. I mean, Norwich at home is such a good game for, for United, and you know, you fancy any team that could could be at home and and you know win that game four or five nil. Yeah. And then away at Liverpool, I mean, it's an awful looking game on paper. But I fancied Spurs to to beat United in that match, and, and they pulled something out the back. So yeah. those games are are very very hard to to predict and. There's going to be bad blood from the, you know, from the absolute spanking they got <laughs> earlier in the season. Um, I'd be surprised be, to see them score. Liverpool might have some fixes. I don't know the schedule, but you can almost guarantee Liverpool will have a game three days before and three days after with the Champions League run. And United well, it's, will it's, be it's, fresh. It's, exactly, it's the Champions League and it's the um, semi-final. And the, and the semi-final of the FA Cup is against City, so it's not yeah. it's not exactly an easy game. They they yeah. might need to you know manage the squad. Um, a little bit. It's going to be trickier because they want to win. I guess. I guess the FA Cup is probably the the one the, they manage it. Yeah, the one they manage. Yeah, because City might do the same. That could be B yeah. team versus B team. Now, oh god, the <laughs> FA Cup semi final at Wembley as well. Oh, terrible. Um, okay, that's those. Then let's take a quick look at our, our predictions. Then, so I mean, the, the kind of the key matches coming forward um, are, are Arsenal v United. We've both gone for an Arsenal win um, in that against United. I, I just think Arsenal are a better team across the park. Uh, individually, you'd say United have, have better players, but the system, the, the tactics, the, the style, the confidence, the form, everything is it just points to an Arsenal win. So we both agreed on that. Um, Chelsea v Arsenal uh, is another one, another big game. You've gone for a draw in that. I think Chelsea just just win that. They they were, remember. I think it was in January. Arsenal were playing quite well, and Chelsea were were pretty poor, and then Chelsea just destroyed them like three 0 
think it's I think Arsenal do struggle a bit in these in in these games. I think Chelsea know how to kind of win that match. Um, but a draw wouldn't, wouldn't be too surprising. That that's the kind of game that I want to see Arsenal step win, up, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you know it's fine to beat. You know the win against Villa, I think, was a really good result for them. You know, a clean sheet, a one 0 win, a good performance. But you want to see them taking on some of these bigger teams and, and proving that they deserve to be um, in the top four. You don't want them to get in the top four just because everyone else is rubbish. You want them to see them get in the top four because they really kind of deserve it. And and I think at the moment they they do, and that would be a, a good scalp if they can get a result in that. But I'm not backing them. Um, and then the other big game is Arsenal v Spurs, which I think determines top four. Yeah, it's a to huge me, game. It's, it's absolutely massive. It's, it's the game to be rescheduled. You mentioned there's no Europe. It's absolutely huge. You've gone for a Spurs win. I've gone for an Arsenal win. So it shows just how tight it, it kind of is, is there. Um, why are you going for Spurs in that then? I just I just fancy Conte in the, the big game. I, I, I He's one of my favourite managers, if not my favourite manager. And I just, I've always thought managers win those tight games. It, it, we go back to the Euros, I don't half on about it, but I didn't feel like, I felt like Euros final. Mancini beat Southgate. It, that's really what it came down to, to me. Like the teams were well matched. England were fresh, Italy were old. England's form wasn't great, Italy's was. It balanced itself out. It was literally... The 11 versus 11 on the day with the environment was so level. What was the difference in that game? It was the management. It was the substitutions. It was the tactics. And I just look at Conte versus Arteta. Whilst I really do rate Arteta, just think Conte in that big game will, will do his homework and, and they'll do a job on Arsenal. And I think it will be tight, but in big moments, I think that there'll be big decisions there and, and, and Spurs will just edge it. Of course, it will be tight and it's a hard one to predict. It is, it is a really hard one to predict. I just think with with the attacking stats that Arsenal have got and, and that, I just don't think Spurs can can contain them. Um, and I think I, I saw good examples of that in the West Ham match where West Ham were missing, you know, real killer balls or, or finishing touches and they would have got something from that game. And I think Arsenal Arsenal have got that. I think Spurs are, are just, they're just weaker defensively than Arsenal are. And I think that's going to cost them. I, I just don't, I, I look at the entire back four and other than Romero, None yeah. of them are, are, are good enough to be a, a top four side. Regulon isn't, um, which is surprising because I, I thought I thought he would thrive in this system, but but Conte obviously doesn't like him. I still think his fitness isn't isn't right, and I think that's one of the main issues with him. With him, um, yeah. And then you've got Doherty, D- uh, Dyer, and, and Davis, who I don't think are, are there. So if I mean if they do get top four, they're going to invest, just like you say, and go out and get yeah. some big names. Um, so what we did was we just quickly went through all the fixtures the teams have got, uh, and I just put this little thing uh, together. Um, so this is kind of what we what we come up with. So this was unbiased. This was literally just how many you know points we think teams are going to get, kind of uh, you know going forward. So Chelsea, um, you went for seven wins, uh, three draws. Arsenal, six draws, two losses, two draws. Spurs, you went absolutely mad. No. Draws eight wins out of nine and one loss. You gave them an unbeaten run in April. You really fancy Conte, don't you? I really do, mate. I really do. He's my favourite manager. Um, and I just <laughs> is he? You haven't ever mentioned that before, did yeah. you? <laughs> <laughs> um, when he managed Chelsea and then went on to manage uh, Italy and then on to Chelsea, it was dreamland for me. Um, but look, I, I. I, I think they can win those games. I really do. Like I, I think Spurs can still do it. And I know Spurs fans 
and look, fans were often quite pessimistic. Like Spurs fans were trying to manage their expectations, will we'll probably say, look, it's out, it's not going to happen now. Arsenal are too far ahead. But I just think they can go on one of those runs, and I'm super excited to see the run in for this reason. Like the battle for the top four is the most exciting thing left in the Premier League. Mm. I know there's the league title there to be won. I don't care hugely about that. I care about this. Um, and I would love to see Spurs do it on, on top of Arsenal and United. Yeah, I mean, eight wins and one loss will be a hell of an end of the season for, for Spurs. Um, United, you've, you've given the poorest the poorest one. So five wins, one loss and, and three uh, draws in that. So um, again, only one loss, but again, kind of being let down by the by the draws. Um, there, um, mine is slightly different. Uh, Chelsea, I've gone for uh, six wins, four draws. Arsenal, six wins, one loss, three draws. Spurs, five wins, two losses, two draws. So not much in it between between me and, and Arsenal, um, between those two sides. Uh, and then United sums it up: three wins, three losses, three draws. I can't believe you've gone for three wins for United. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's. I, I just think they're rubbish. They are. I mean, yeah, they are. They have been. Um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, players playing for futures might be the only thing that gets them over. But again, like I don't even know if they care They're enough. They they haven't been playing very well for their futures in the last few months. Playing for an interim manager who's just going to be moved up to the executive yeah. board. Playing for Pochettino who can't even beat. He's lost three nil to Monaco in the league and got knocked out of the Champions League. I don't. I don't think he's the right fit. Um, so our final league table looks like this. We both got Chelsea in third. Um, I've got Arsenal in fourth. You've got Spurs in By fourth. a point. By a point. Yeah, absolutely. I've given Arsenal quite a, a big lead over, over Spurs. Um, so seven points um, over. You've gone for one point Spurs pipping Arsenal. But what that shows me is unless Spurs can literally win yeah. eight out of their <laughs> next nine games, I don't think they're going to, Arsenal are going to get it. If Spurs lose to Arsenal as well, that, remember, yeah. is a six-pointer, effectively. Absolutely. So almost whatever, if they lose that football match, if Spurs lose that football match, it's almost, it's almost, it's done. Yeah. I, 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 when I was putting this together, I didn't realise just what a good position Arsenal are in. They are cruising, they, they, aren't they? They, they really are. They, they, they will be gutted if they don't get the top four from this position, I think. Because it, it would rely on, it would rely on them not only probably losing to Spurs, it will rely on them dropping points and it would rely on Spurs winning pretty much all their games between now and the end of the season so yeah. it really really is in in Arsenal hands um United we, we both put United like miles off <laughs> of off the top four so I, I, I just can't see any way uh, in which they do it um that's it then there you go that's our predictions that's our uh, going for the, the FPL players to consider um Jenny it's been fun I enjoy these streams with you yeah, no, that was a, that was a good crack. I, I really enjoyed putting that together, and I, I'm delighted to see that my really ambitious Spurs results have actually led them at least to a top four <laughs> finish. And we'll see if that one pans out. But it might look they could go on that unbeaten run, and Arsenal could still pip them because the Arsenal fixtures. And we talked about bringing in that third Arsenal player. It's a lot of green for Arsenal in terms of their fixtures. The difficult ones, yeah, they've got to go to Chelsea away. And they've got to play United at home, but that's not really tricky anymore. And then you look at the other ones and think, okay, West Ham away won't be easy, but their priority might be Europe. And then obviously that Spurs game. Other than that, you look at those Arsenal games and they're all pretty winnable. So yeah, if if Spurs win eight out of the next nine games, I will buy you multiple pints <laughs> I'll, I'll remind you of that okay i'll be clipping this for way. you i'll be clipping this for twitter in a, in, a, in two months hopefully <laughs> you can sound like that that's no problem uh nice one that's awesome thanks so much um if you've enjoyed the stream give it a like give us a subscribe 
Uh, Janny and I will be back next week with uh, your team reveal ahead. You might, everyone might notice you're on a red arrow this week, so we'll have to talk about what went wrong. But you only had a couple of players play, so it's probably probably something to do with with that. Yeah, my five um, side team didn't do that well this <laughs> they week. Didn't, no, not, not in a liver side match. Um, but Janny, it's great. Great to talk to you as always, and uh, we'll catch up again next week.